Welcome to the Caregiverologist Podcast. This is Mary Ann J, the Caregiverologist Podcast. Today's topic, set boundaries as a caregiver. Foremost, care is not a solo activity and can be very hard work. There is a lot of needs to be met and decisions to be made. There's a lot of responsibility as a caregiver. Sometimes you can be feeling as if the person's life depends upon your care, and this may be very well true because I was my dad's primary caregiver, and if I did not take care of him, his life, I don't know what would have happened. However, caregiving can be very stressful, both physical and mentally. There may be times when it all seems like too much for you to handle. I am here to help you not to give up and don't quit. Definition boundaries. So I found a definition off of the internet and it says a line that marks the limit of an area, a dividing line. Some similar words, I would say boundary is like the borderline dividing line, confined limits. You want to set boundaries to being a caregiver in a caregiver relationship with another person as you move forward. Now, I know sometimes you don't set those boundaries soon as you become that caregiver because a lot of times our family, our loved ones go into the hospital and we take on the whole entire role without setting boundaries. And then when we don't set those boundaries and we have taken care of them for about five or six months, and it becomes overwhelming. You get the feeling of being overwhelmed. And those things happen because the boundaries have not been set. This out. I was reading this book, Set Boundaries, Finding Peace. And it's by an awesome author. Her name is Nedra Glover. And I'm not going to chop up her last name. It's T-A-W-W-A-B. And I was reading this book and it gives perfect examples what happens when we don't set boundaries and the signs that you need boundaries to set the boundaries. So first things I saw in the book and I started, I was reading this book in 2021, I got the book. And the reason I got the book it was because setting boundaries and finding peace, I got to reclaiming yourself. And so I wasn't setting boundaries in certain relationships. So she talks about different relationships in this book. But honey, let me tell you, this will help a caregiver because caregiving is a relationship. If you're a caregiver, you have a relationship with that person. So knowing that this book will help you to set boundaries and find peace and reclaim yourself. Definitely a go-to book to read for yourself. So some of the things, I'll share some of the areas of what I learned from her book as far as the signs you needing to set boundaries. You know, when you start to feel overwhelmed, you feel resentment towards the people for asking for your help. You avoid phone calls and interaction with people who might ask for something. Who haven't did that? 
Come on now. And you're a caregiver, you know, especially if like, okay, I'm a nurse. And sometimes I get phone calls from a lot of people, family members, and I'm busy sometimes, you know, and I'm like, okay, I just talked to her, but they want to find out about certain things so they don't have to go to the doctor or they something happened and they want me to give them some suggestions. So sometimes I have to not answer my telephone, put it on pause, or I'll give them a call back. And then sometimes you start to feel burned out, you know, that you're always doing, you know, answering these questions. And it's not that you don't want to do it. Come on. I know you understand what I'm saying. And then also you might have, like she said, that you might have frequent daydreaming about dropping everything and disappearing. Who haven't felt like that as a caregiver? I can remember the times when I was taking care of my dad. He had Alzheimer's, baby. And some days he will purposely did some things to try to upset me. And I have dropped everything and I would disappear. Oh, yeah, I have done that. And also you have about when you have no time for yourself. Don't set boundaries and you have no time for yourself. I tell you, these things right here, if I had them 13 years ago, it might have changed a whole lot of things for myself. So I am sharing this with you because I believe my daughter is a caregiver for her dad and she has suffered with these things. So this is story time for me, guys. So I know she might not worry about me sharing this. So me and my daughter, we work out together at least three to four times out of the week. Sometimes now my schedule has changed, so I get a chance to work with her two times out of the week. But several months ago, you know, she started complaining of a thumb. Her thumb was like numb. And I'm thinking, you know, she types on the computer a lot. It might be a computer issue, you know, like Capitano, you know, coming from the thumb to the wrist area. And she kept complaining about it. And so all of a sudden she said, okay, it's been about a month. Before we go to the doctor, you know, we're going to make sure we do all the nursing stuff and thinking that we have solved the issue. And so I talked to her, I said, your thumb ain't stop hurting and you're not having that numbness anymore. Now all this still there. I said, well, it's time to go to the doctor and see what's going on. It could be a nerve touching and you're getting this numbness. Well, she went to the doctor and she didn't want to share with me that, what? Her blood pressure was 200 over like 180, 190. She was a walking silent time bomb because, look, she was overwhelmed. She was feeling burnt out. She was having no extra time for herself. I mean, all these things because she had not set any boundaries. Her dad has been sick for a long time and she still had not set any boundaries. Not to the point where, no, that's not true. She has set some boundaries because she got some things in place for him that he can get on, you know, the senior bus and he can do other things. You know, he got things that he can do independent but not to the point where some things he really need her help, you know, constantly calling and all of that. So after she started to have the blood pressure problem and the doctor, it was so elevated that the doctor couldn't get the blood pressure down. And I'm like, the medication that she's giving you is not working, you know, and I'm putting my nurse stuff, you know, I'm, I've been a nurse over 30 something years, so I'm going to start to let my daughter know, nope. And, you know, she's that type A personality, so she don't want to hear from me about that medication that her doctor is giving her is not working and she needs to have something else. Needless to say, she wind up getting the right medication because, again, like I say, we exercise, we work out, but it's still a blood pressure issue. 
Now her blood pressure is much better because she has set some real serious boundaries with her dad. Okay. So yes, boundaries are definitely needed. When you are a caregiver, she is his primary caregiver at this time. And if you don't set any boundaries, all of these things that I just mentioned that Nedra Glover has in her book, this is in her book. I take no ownership, according to this author, these signs that as a caregiver that you can have, that you need boundaries in place. Let's talk about healthy boundaries. Now, this is a definition. I always like to get a definition. And, you know, 2022, we go to the internet to get these definitions of healthy boundaries. Necessary components for self-care. Caregivers without boundary, we feel depleted, taken advantage of, taken for granted, or intruded upon, whether it's in work in our personal relationship, or as a caregiver. Poor boundaries may lead to resentment, hurt, anger, and burnout. Now, I'm going to share six boundaries that you can use as a caregiver with your loved one. And now, I know sometimes you're not going to share these boundaries right off the top when you become a caregiver. It's a process. Setting boundaries is a process. Any way you see it, however it goes, because you can set these boundaries and then they can be upset and don't want you to be a caregiver. They might choose someone else to be their caregiver. So be aware that when you do set boundaries, a lot of times people, oh, you know, we are human, human nature. We don't like boundaries. If you tell me I'm your caregiver, you want all of me. You can't recognize I got family. You want all of me, <laughs> you know, and it is so true. So I'm going to share these six boundaries that I think as a caregiver that you can use in your time that you spend with your family as their primary caregiver. And you can tweak it for yourself as to see which one will work better for that person that you're caring for because each time a boundary has to be set, it depends on the nature of the illness, the nature of the disease, the nature of what type of care are you actually providing? Are you the primary person? Are you the person that's in the house with them? So all the time, you know, boundaries have limitation as to the type of boundary you would like to set. Boundary number one, as I always say, as a caregiver, you are the most important person. Taking care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, how can you take care of your loved one, the person that needs you? So you must take care of yourself first. Providing care, you know, because the thing is, you providing care for your family, your household, you're probably working. You know, you might be a parent that's taking care of the children. You exhausted from taking care of the children, going to work. All of these things can increase your frustration as being a primary caregiver. If you're the primary caregiver for your parents, you know, your mom, your dad, even if you're a primary caregiver for your husband you know, different settings. So it's very important to pay close attention to your body. Our body will tell us that time out. 
our body will tell us it's time out for doing things for other people and we need to take care of ourselves. You know, statistically, it says that the person, primary person that's taking care of the loved one are the first person to you know, pass away. This is a statistic out there that you can do all the loving care that you want for that loved one and you might be that person to pass out and die from being a caregiver. So that's why I'm always saying that you are the most important person to take care of yourself first so you can take care of your family later. You can do all those things. So that's number one. I am saying that's boundary number one. My caregivers, do you know that you need to do something to start taking better care of yourself, but finding that answer just seems like a darning task. I have created a quiz just for you. It's called the Caregiver Burnout Quiz. All you have to do is answer a few questions and based on your needs, you'll be directed to a resource that will give you all of the answers you need to start putting yourself first. It takes less than five minutes. Click the link in the show notes to get started. Number two. Now we are talking about promoting independency. Now I'm not saying as soon as that person get out of the hospital, you whoop. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. It's a process. So as a caregiver, you want to get your family member, whoever you're taking care of, if they can do the things that they used to, or if they can do some of the activity of daily living, meaning if they can bath themselves, if they can dress themselves, if they can transfer from the bed to the toilet or walk to the toilet, if they can brush their teeth, encourage them to do those things. You want them to keep as much independency as they can. That will be boundary number two. Also, I talk about the, it's called the instrumental activity of daily living. For example, you know, once they get out of recovery, if they were hospitalized with some type of surgery and, you know, they can't do those things right now, but eventually they can, you want to implement them back into doing these things. If they can cook for themselves, if they can still drive, if they can use the telephone or the computer or the iPad, if they can, you know, track their finances or manage their medication, you want to encourage them because when they're doing these things, these things here stop you from doing them. You know, because if you don't have anyone else at the time, that means that if you're not living at home with them, that means that you're going to have to travel to manage their medication. You're going to have to travel to manage their finances, you know, making sure their finances in order, you know, cooking meals or find out who's going to cook the meals. So those are things that you want to implement for your families to get back to being promoting independency in their home. And plus, helping your loved one maintain a feeling of independency will make them feel better about receiving care. Because sometimes if we don't allow them to know that they can do these things, they resist us from being their caregiver. They will resist us from being that person to care for them because they're so used to their own independency. Boundary number three, 
preserve dignity. Now, I know this is a hard one for a lot of us because when our loved ones go into the hospital, when they get sick, we think that we in control of everything. But we want to respect our loved one's right to make decisions about their life and help them maintain a sense of control and privacy whenever possible. You know, you want to listen to what they have to say about their health conditions. You want to pay attention to what they're worried about, what they're concerned about. The majority of the time, they are concerned about you, you know, how you doing, you know, or sometimes they worry about what their disease is and they have no understanding in simple terminology. Sometimes our doctors talk to them in their terminology and they're not understanding nothing that they said about their illness or their disease and they need somebody to just keep it simple. Keep it simple for our loved ones so then they can understand what's going on with their bodies, what condition they have, and they can understand that they might have to change their diet. They might have to get up and walk. They might have to take different medications for a limited amount of time. It's probably not all the time that they have to take this medication, but to get them past the seriousness of their illness, they probably have to take it. Encourage your loved one to retain as much control over their life as possible. Be understanding that this can be frustrating for yourself and your loved one because it's a burden. You know, they feel like at some point you coming over back and forth if you don't live with them or if you have to take off work, if you don't get that family MLA, family medical leave of absence, you know, stating that you are that person primary caregiver and you could have that time off, but you know you don't get paid for that. They're concerned about that as well, especially when you're an unpaid caregiver. And the majority of the time, the daughter, the sons, the close families are not paid caregivers for their loved ones. So you want to look at that. You want to preserve dignity, but also you want to have an open communication with your loved ones so both of you guys could uh, have a better understanding with each other. Three, number four, ask for help. I know this is the hardest thing for us as caregivers. We do not like to ask for help. When we say that we're going to be that primary caregiver, that's what we're going to be, the primary caregiver. But I will say to you, many caregivers are so accustomed to providing help and not able to see other people taking care of their loved ones. But let's start with family first. Family first is your best resource. So you can get the spouse, the brother, the sister, the children. You know, when I was taking care of my dad before I got my older sister to help me, my son and my daughter and my husband at the time was the caregivers. Okay, they was the ones that were helping me when I had to go to work because me and my spouse worked and the children was there and we, you know, we had to change our work schedule. It was a whole lot of change in your life when your loved ones get sick. And my dad, I had to take him from his living environment, which was very hard for him because he lived at one place for almost 50 something years. And that was very hard for him to come and live with me in the suburbs. And I know that. You know, sometimes he would leave out to get out of the house and be trying to catch a ride to the city because he wasn't used to living in the quiet suburb area. Even though he had Alzheimer's, I used to say, how can this man walk all the way to that light? 
And once somebody come and touch him, he can't walk at all. That's the beast of the Alzheimer's disease. But also going back, let me get back on track. You want to make sure that you ease the burden of caregiving. You know, so if you're taking care of an older person, my dad loves baseball. I'm just giving some example. He loved the baseball. So Cubs and the Sox. My son, sometimes I sign him. Go and sit in the granddaddy room with him and watch baseball. So he had somebody in his present, you know, the kid. So he had company. You know, our older people like company. You know, they like to have people around. They don't want to be by themselves. So also you want to talk to your minister or religion leader and make them aware of your situation. Just don't do this alone. You know, get people involved. Ask for help. I am a caregiver coach, a caregiver life coach. Ask for help because when you get help, you lessen the burden for yourself. Boundary number five, involve your loved ones. The basic freedom of choice, giving them choices to pick the type of food they want to eat, what clothes they want to wear. I would put out two outfits for my dad. I would give him choices of food he would like to eat. However, as your loved ones, options become more limited through health issues, financial constraints. You may have to work harder to provide choices. Number six, be an advocate for your loved one. Keep in mind, you are a member of the health team for your loved one For as a caregiver. You want to make sure you're talking with the doctors, that you're talking with all of his providers. Also, you want to make sure that you have prepared his personal health history. The pandemic, if it has not showed us anything, make sure that you have your loved one, your person that you're your primary caregiver for, personal health history. You know what's going on with them and you can talk to the doctor about their health condition. Closing, remember, care is not a solo activity. Helping your loved one as a caregiver will bring you unrecognized reward. Please do not quit on your loved one. Be the best caregiver you can be and set the boundaries that are good for you. And the end, 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 the end. Yes, this is the end. I completed, I think I did 25. I'm going to get to 30 one of these nice days. Well, I did 25. So thank you.